This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Or are you? I'm a ghost! Oh, if only. No, you're here. You're in this marriage. There's no... Yeah, we'll see about that. I feel like people are stealing our shtick on Twitter, since you and I don't use Twitter like we used to. Like, there have been these tweets of, like, uh, you know, a marriage summed up in a tweet. Yep, we invented that. We invented being married. No, but just like summing up our marriage wackily in a tweet. We did not admit that. We and... we were doing that so before our BuzzFeed came along. <laughs> well, why don't you sue them? No. So uh, right now, uh, periodically people are interested in what we're drinking in during the podcast. Yeah. I am sipping some liqueur de bellotta. I'm not pronouncing that right, but it is an acorn liqueur that I brought back from Iberia. Okay. And it's um, it's really good. It's like drinking maple syrup. It's very tasty. I've had it. Take another sip and describe it to the fine people. <sighs> Lord. Suddenly we're... No, people are always interested in what we're drinking. Smoky. It's got, um, I'm going to say syrupy, but that's going to put a very sugary image in your head. And it is sugary. I mean. It is. Well, but it's, it's sweet. Super. It's no, I wouldn't even describe that. It's more of a woody, like deep flavor. It's got, it tastes like acorns. I've never eaten an acorn, but yeah. yeah. If you've it, eaten something that has acorns in it. It reminds me of like a maple nut no. type thing, but anyway. No, I remember that smell. But yeah, it's 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 a, yeah, it's a syrupy, nutty flavor. I've finally been able to start going through Spain stuff as I'm writing stuff to get, to put it up mm-hmm. on the blog sure. and to uh, put it up on PhoneScope and a few other places. And I, I, I realize I haven't been dealing with Spain because I, I, I got sick at the end of it. And then I was sick for so long at home. Oh, I, yeah. just, I just did not want to deal with it. And then it's like, oh, I had a really nice time on that trip. That was a lot of fun until I got the flu. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, no, this was one of the things that got me through the flu was uh, one night. I, I could just tell it was starting to hit. And, uh, you know, we had a lovely wine with dinner. And I'm mm-hmm. not a huge wine drinker. And I was like, that's fine. And then after dinner, it's like, do you want to try some acorn liqueur? And I was like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> no one has scotch. So, yes, please. I do want to try that. And it was just it was just wonderful, and I had a nice little... It's interesting. That, I mean, I certainly appreciate that wine is very popular around the world, but the idea, you know, that uh, countries don't have a hard liquor that they that they enjoy. Well, I think this is a hard liquor that they enjoy. Well, it's a liqueur, but that's yeah. what I'm saying is they don't have liquor. I'm not saying people don't drink sure. scotch and whatnot in Spain. Mm. I was just, you know, we were staying at a lot of uh, Casa Real's sure. bed and breakfast and oh, stuff. Yeah. So, you know, they had the wine there to give you with dinner, but, you know, as far as like, and, you know, they saw a press group coming and it's like, Hide your liquor. These people are going to drink us out of house and home. Oh, so yeah, but no, I mean, but the, I mean, the the wine was fantastic, and I was like, oh, I guess I do kind of like wine. But I, and also since I got sick, it was there's no point in me drinking anyway because I just would have used it as a way to go to sleep. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right, do we have some. Do you have any news you want to talk about, like personal stuff you want to talk about beforehand? Personal or? stuff that I want to talk about. Like you got your Cuba trip coming up. I mean, do you have anything you want to plug? Like stuff you want to. Um. Oh, you know, we should talk bird festivals. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be at the Indiana Dunes Bird Festival. I've gotten a few emails of people asking if I'm going to be at Biggest Week this year. Unless there's a government shutdown, that's just not happening. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't think the government is really going to shut down. But boy, howdy, is that going to be a fun day flying back from Cuba? Yeah. <laughs> Will I have to go to work in the next couple of days or not? Um, I, and for those, oddly, who don't know this by now, I work for the federal government uh, right. for the National Park Service. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, so I have the Cuba trip coming up. 
you will not be able to get hold of me very well in Cuba. Cuba has me kind of nervous mm -hmm. because I've not been there before, but Cuba is just so different from other places I go. Like the whole, you know, one of the ways that you and I stay in contact with how much I travel is as soon as I land, I get a SIM card and bada bing, bada boom, I can right. text you and email you and, mm -hmm. you know, play a little Pokemon Go if I want to. But, you know, I can stay in contact and I can focus on the trip. But if I need to, like, ping you or something like that, mm -hmm. I can do that. That's just not an option in Cuba. No, they don't have uh, they don't have the internet infrastructure there. They have, like, they have phones, they have cell phones, and they have texting, but they don't have... Yeah, that's what they said. You could get a card, yeah. but you're basically going to make calls and text, and it's still mm -hmm. going to be expensive. Sure. Verizon is down there. Yeah. Verizon is way too expensive. I was, like, kind of yeah. looking, I was like, well, maybe I could just switch to the international plan again. Eh. No, their international plan is insane. It is insane, but I thought, well, just so we could mm -hmm. text. But but uh, they're like, yeah, you just pretty much want to stick to Wi-Fi if you get Wi-Fi. And it's just, mm. wow, I'm not talking to you at all for a few days. It's interesting. I, I would have to assume there's some sort of workaround work. Because I know international texting is a, you know, a problem, but you'd like text to a local like email address or something that would send it like do an if this then that thing but that's there's a lot going on there just just enjoy cuba just i am I, I am going to enjoy cuba mm -hmm. but the other thing that kind of has me freaked out is i cannot use any of my credit or debit cards down there mm -hmm. oh yeah because they don't have like <laughs> they don't have the repartee with the american banking institution yes yet. yeah yeah so i was like well maybe you could try to get a credit card from a european bank ahead of time before you went oh. and so so it's just i personally don't carry a lot of cash on i'm, I'm i right, very yeah. much have become a cuss by the way i just want to say the acorns app is my new favorite thing <laughs> all right uh if you're terrible at saving money uh it you can link it to one of your accounts and every time you spend money it just rounds up to the dollar and then you forget about it and then like all of a sudden you look one day and it's magic it's like oh wow look at all that money i didn't spend right. but um so that is the sort of life i lead and and then when i travel i always do have cash on me but there's no, you You have to have all cash on you all the time, and you don't know when you're going. Like, you have to go there with all the money that you're going to spend while you're there. Yes. Now, I'm grateful. Now, we used to do that with traveler's checks, but of course, nobody takes traveler's mm -hmm. checks anymore. Now, I'm grateful because we're doing this with Holbrook Travel, which is a great company to travel with. And this is a company that has experience with Cuba. Uh, so... Most of the stuff is already paid for, but mm -hmm. there's going to be incidentals. There's right. going to be there's going to be um, souvenirs. Well, souvenirs, be yeah, yeah, yeah. Tipping, there's tipping, and like all that. that stuff. So it's just anyone that I've met that that has been to Cuba, I've just been frantically asking them, "How much cash did you take?" One person was like, "Oh, you have at bare minimum five thousand dollars." I'm like, <laughs> but, but they were thinking in the in terms of hotel right. and buying art and right. cigars to bring back to everybody and right. maybe sell on Craigslist. I'm like, "Yeah, no, not what I'm doing." Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I've come up with a number that is going to be okay. okay. But but uh, and Holbrook actually, they're like, you know, just plan two fifty. Mm -hmm. And then, like, an additional 200 for tipping, this, that, and the other. But it's still, it's just the comfort of the credit card in case oh, sure. shit goes no, I down. Mean, it's, it's a connection to that, you know, that, I don't want to say social network, but that thing that, like, okay, well, I can get, you know, my bank on the line and fix this. But you're going to a country that has largely been cut off from Yeah, that. and that's one of the reasons why I really want to go to this country. Right. I mean, I'm really excited about the birds. I'm really excited about the culture. Uh -huh. I'm really excited to see some historical stuff firsthand, like mm -hmm. Checo Guevara's cave. You know, this mm -hmm. is all fascinating. But it's just, 
the 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 not being able to use a credit card thing has me more freaked out than the lack of internet thing. That says a lot about us as Americans. It really does. <laughs> Especially when you consider that, like, when we first moved to Minnesota and you started doing these tours and things like that, we didn't have cell phones. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Like we we got those particularly late in our in our lives. Yes. But uh, actually, I'm pretty sure I was forced to cell phone by your parents because they insisted on. No, it was when phone. I got injured and you were out. You had actually gone out on a local birding tour, uh, and I could not get a hold. Of, I injured my back and was. In, oh, I, I remember that. Oh, and room. I came home and there were there were like, phone uh, messages yeah, from paramedics. Like, Come and pick me up at the hospital and stuff like that. But I, there was no way to get a hold of you because you were on a bus out in the middle of. Minnesota. You weren't even like out of the state. You no. had just went out and there was like no way to get a hold of you. So we got those cheesy little candy bar cell phones that, you know. Yeah. So anyway, so this is going to be fun. This is going to be an adventure. It is. And I mean, I know lots of people have gone to Cuba and have come sure. back fine and, yeah. and, and all this. But yeah, it's just, yeah, that is the the yeah. safety net. And yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, do we have some news to talk about? We do. First, I want to talk about uh, a GoFundMe project uh, from Alyssa DeRubius. Okay. And she is someone that I know uh, who's come to Birds and Beers. She's a student. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. when she came to Birds and Beers the first few times, she could not drink because she was <laughs> underage. But she still came along for the camaraderie. Uh, but she has a graduate project that she's working on on grassland birds. And in order to do the project, she needs some money. She's not asking for a lot of money. She's only asking for like forty seven hundred bucks and okay. some change. Um, so, and and she has some like really cool uh, incentives. Like if you donate twenty five to seventy five, she'll write you a personal thank you card featuring a bird watercolor of her artwork, and she does very nice artwork. Okay. Uh, seventy five, uh, you get she will paint a bird specifically for you. Uh, and you can even kind of like give suggestions of, of what you want. But uh, I mean, on the, and, and sure. I, I think this is a worthwhile project. I'm also kind of fascinated by this now. It's like this is where we are with schooling is that um, I have to do this graduate project. There aren't any scholarships or grants left for me sure. to get. Uh, please crowdfund it. And I, on the one hand, I think it's cool because it's like, I certainly can't give her $4,700. I yeah. wish I could. Yeah. Otherwise, I would just be like, here, let mm-hmm. take this down. But, you know. If you can give twenty five, heck, if you can only give five, it it right. all helps. And it's, but I mean, it's also fascinating to me. It's like this is where we are with education: is that mm. you have to do this, and you have to. Although maybe it's an important lesson for kids to learn these days: is how to fund your own projects. I suppose. I mean, there. I'm sure there were, you know, back in the day, like you could go to an Audubon chapter mm-hmm. and say, you know, can we do a matching grant and we can do mm-hmm. like this local you know, fundraising. So it's a, it's a different way of doing things. It is a different, I, I love crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. I think as our friend Matthew years ago pointed out when crowdfunding first started happening, it was like, you need an editor for a book, I'd give you 20 bucks for that. And it's like, oh, that's really great. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you have something you want to work on. Yeah. You don't have the money for it. And you need money, not a huge amount of money, but not enough money right. that you want to put on a credit card. And I always feel like money is never wasted if it's somebody working on schooling or their dream. Sure. You know, it's like, I can give you okay. 20 bucks. So we have a link up there, a link for that. <clears throat> we have it up, yeah. And oh. she is already at $1,685. She's as a quarter of the way there. She's a quarter of the way there. But Alyssa is worth investing in. She's right. a young, enthusiastic birder. It's been, watch- it's been in- amazing to watch her go from, you know, High schooler interested in birds to actually making this uh, a career path. So if you have a few dollars to spare, and if you know someone who has a project that you think we should mention on the podcast that is a graduate project, I really 
don't want to fund somebody's... We need questions about this book report due tomorrow. <laughs> no. Please, please answer these ten questions in depth. Yeah, no, don't, no, no. But, I mean, if you know someone who has a bird project that they, they need, sure. you know, they need right. some funding, I can't guarantee that everybody's going to give money to it. Um, yeah, let us know, because I support that. <laughs> All right. You seem dubious. That's a hearty endorsement. I can't believe you just threw that in there. That was not... Well, I feel like, you know, that's kind of... And I'm suddenly, like, thinking of some of the requests that I do no, actually you, get. That, that and was I a stupid suddenly, idea. I don't know why you did that. I suddenly thought of, like, oh, I'm going to get those now. And then I thought, now I have to explain to everybody the kind of things that I My get. My grandmother can And then I realized birds. that somebody is probably listening to this podcast and, like, wait, have I sent her something that was really insane? Or she's like, she's talking about that thing. That's not insane. That's a great idea. All of you send me great ideas. Uh-huh. All right. Let's move on to the back next pedal, news Backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. Okay. How much would you pay to go see a night parrot? <laughs> I would probably not pay anything to see a night parrot, and I even know what that bird is. You do? Yeah. That's the Australian what? bird that was. they thought it was extinct, and then somebody found it, and like they couldn't tell anybody where it was because they were trying to buy the land, and they like had to get conservationists involved but they still couldn't tell anybody that the bird even existed because they didn't want the price to go up and they didn't want people to come in and destroy the habitat and they finally it is got be- video of it and like yeah wow 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 you you know a lot more about this story than i thought there you go well uh the night parrot has gotten more interesting mm. so according to sunshinecoastbirds.blogspot.co.uk okay. uh the night parrot thing has gotten out of control they found more populations of night parrot, uh, and one of the things that is being bandied about is uh, getting uh, wealthy birders to pay $25,000 a head Jumpin Jiminy. to go luxury, quote-unquote, glamping uh, to the outbacks of... You know, glamping is a big, it's a thing that, this is how we're going to get girls interested in camping. We're going to do glamping. It's going to uh, be all glamorous. All right. And we're going to have pillows and makeup and glitter. And it's going to be great. We're going to be outdoors. I'm not being supportive of women by saying that. I just... No, you're really not. No, that was really a horrible thing for yeah. me to do. I just... I have issues with glamping. All right. I mean, definitely. If See, you I would can, call it comfort camping and then it would be camping. No, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Well, and I've been on things where I guess it could be considered glamping, where no. it's like, at this camp, you're supposed to sleep on this wooden board with this sheepskin, but, you know, uh, we, we we recognize that maybe you weren't prepared for that, mm. so uh, here is this super soft pad that we're going to put under the sheepskin, sure. and yeah. I've gone regular camping, I've gone hardcore <laughs> camping. <laughs> You're just really talking to yourself. Do you want to keep digging this hole? Okay, here's my like issue. <laughs> this is, I think, I think this is the issue that I have is that some people enjoy camping, some people don't. Right. And the people who don't enjoy camping aren't going to enjoy it because, like, they have issues with bugs. Right. They have issues with they need a very specific type of back thing. So I, I, I feel like the glamping thing is specifically aimed at women. Sure. Because it's not just camping, it's like glamour camping with right. makeup and glitter. And that's not to say that that's a bad thing. Sure I, I have issues with, we want to market to women. So in order to market to women to get them to do something, right. we have to involve glamour, makeup, and glitter to get Fashion women to do fame. that. Yes. Ooh, jam. 
Jim is outrageous. Truly, truly. No, I'd go gym camping. But, uh-huh. um, so I just. Camping. 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 Gamping. Jamping. Jamping. Jimping. I'd go jumping. I just have issues with, well, women aren't into this, but they would be into it if we made it way more glamorous and we added glitter and lipstick. Okay. I'm not opposed to lipstick. I wear lipstick. Sure. I just, glamping. Glamping <laughs> bothers me. And I know people who have engaged in glamping, people that I respect, and it's like, oh, I'm glad you had a good time. But I also know these people would just go regular camping, but glamping. Okay. All right. I have issues with glamping. Anyway. What were we talking about? We're talking about the night parrot. So oh, Okay. So some of the controversy with the night parrot sure. has been that they're keeping the location of the original. They were keeping the the original location of the night parrot mm-hmm. rediscovery secret because they didn't want the birding horde to yes, come in and, and, and cause problems. Oh, sure. Uh, and from the, the, the quote here, it's like, critics argued that the parrots would be threatened by disruptive visits from an invasion of birding, quote, twitchers, unquote, eager to spy a night parrot. Uh, the Queensland government took the unprecedented step of issuing a conservation order banning unauthorized entry into the private reserve with hef- hefty lines. Okay. Uh, an environmental minister uh, even compared birders and twitchers to egg collectors, as mm. far as their threat would be. Now, that I disagree with. Sure. I disagree with that. Yes, birders will do, not all, not all, hashtag not all birders. Right. Some will do some things, you know, like if we can just look at the whole hashtag owl masturbators or, you know, people who play too many. Don't look at me like that. We've talked about the hashtag owl masturbators. Remember the whole controversy about feeding owls and the guy started the hashtag owl masturbators? <laughs> Baiters spelled B-A-I-T-E-R-S. Uh, no, I don't remember that, but I'm sure that We happens. have talked about this okay. on a previous podcast. Anyway, and if you're not remembering what this is, uh, definitely check out the hashtag owl masturbators. Make sure you're spelling bait, B-A-I-T-E-R. It is, there are several articles, sure. several arguments, and even some lawsuits from photographers to other photographers saying, stop it. Uh, stop slandering me, even though I am baiting <laughs> owls. So anyway, so I don't think I don't think you can compare birders and twitchers to egg collectors because egg collectors are taking things. Sure, but there's definitely concern that for this uh, bird that Benny thought was extinct for decades, that a ton of birders would come into this area trying to see it with the best of intentions, but too many people, and they would. Okay, so uh, a piece of land was carved out out of some private property to become Mm -hmm. a preserve for this population that was found. Mm -hmm. In order to maintain that property, though, there's a $1.5 million mortgage Mm. to to hold on to that. I think the area is called Pullin Pullin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Speaking of owl masturbators. I just said that out Someone has come up with the idea of um, offering to wealthy birders a chance to see this, a $25,000 trip to go glamping, so comfortable camping in the Australian outback. $5,000 covers permits and Mm -hmm. the cost of the trip. 
but a $20,000 donation is also included in that price tag that would go to fund the Night Parrot See, program. I think that's the way, I, I see what they're trying to do and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to raise the uh, the profile of it by getting famous people involved. I think that's the wrong way to go about it because it's just going to create resentment. No, 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 no. Not famous, wealthy. Right. What I'm saying is that's going to create resentment to that. And that's, that's what be, this blog post is I, about. I, I think like, it should come be, on, guys. like, donate this money and maybe we'll take... Some some underfunded but very talented researcher in here to see this, and uh, yeah. So okay, I see what they're, I see what they're trying to do, and that's one way to go about it. I think, and I think selling it is going to create a lot of resentment. I think that's going to create problems. Well, so here's the thing: this blog points out is that um, if you are not part of the research program or this glamping thing that may or may not happen, and you try to sneak in to see these parrots. Mm -hmm. You face a three hundred and fifty-three thousand dollar fine and two years in jail. Oh well, all they need is four people, and they've got the whole thing. Paid for. <laughs> so anyway, and now there are more night parrot sites coming up. Uh, they may be on property where that person could be like, "Yeah, sure, you want to see it? Let's sure. let's be reasonable about this and not yeah. disturb them." But it's just the controversy of the night parrot in Australia. Yeah, that's a crazy. I mean that I see I completely see like I see both sides of this. Yeah, you want you need the money to maintain the habitat. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you don't need as as needed as badly now that other people. But I think selling it to to rich people is uh well, this place is out in the middle of freaking yeah. nowhere. There there aren't resources. This is not like going mm -hmm. to the biggest week in Ohio. Where there are all these little tiny towns and bed and breakfasts and hotels right. that are just like, yeah, stay here. I mean, this is like, mm -hmm. you have no options. Yeah. This yeah. is, it, it's yeah. not easy to sneak into. But at the same time, it shouldn't, seeing a bird should not be relegated to the wealthy. That's true. Yeah. I know. It's hard to say. I'm ambivalent. I, I there are a lot of birds I'd like to see in Australia. I don't know if I'm ever going to make it to Australia. I would like to go. In a lot of places, you could probably make it to Australia. I don't know. I mean, they're well. Number one, I think they have airports now. <laughs> there are a lot. You of don't them. have to commit a crime to be sent to Australia now. Well, that's that. I mean, it helps. Let's <laughs> no, but I'm just thinking. You don't like, have to commit a crime against the Queen to be sent to Australia, but it helps. All the places to go in this world, mm -hmm. and I mean, a lot of the places I've been to weren't places I necessarily planned on going, but it's like, I, yeah, I'm going to go there if this trip is mm -hmm. a possibility. Sure. But just looking at the way my schedule is playing out now, money, time, right. I really want to go to Australia. The, a lot of the places I get to go to, it's it's easy for me to get there, and it's like, yeah, we'll totally pay. Interesting it is it that like until two years ago, you were more likely to go to Australia, which is literally on the other side of the planet. Than to go to Cuba, which is an island, I think, what, 50 miles off the United States yeah. coast? Yeah. It's like so, a 45 minute boat yeah, ride. It's, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not far at all. I still can't believe Cuba is happening. Yeah. There we go. All right. What's our next story? Um, Wichita, Kansas, has a lineman, is giving tips to keep migratory birds off your property, specifically <laughs> herons and egrets. Oh, okay. Uh, apparently, it's an issue. Problem down there, it's a, it's an issue that uh, herons and egrets just invade Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> All right, and just start nesting randomly. I don't. I think probably we have had some issues in this town where someone lives next to some water, and herons and egrets set up a rookery, and mm. people wanted to get rid of them, and they couldn't once the eggs were laid. Sure. And so this—that's crazy to me because I would love that if that happened where we lived. I'm not sure I would. Okay, why not? Have you actually been to a rookery? Yeah, yeah. 
You've taken me to a rookery. What rookery have I taken you to? I don't remember. I remember like seeing them. I remember thinking, wow, this is really cool. There's a lot of herons there. We drove past a rookery in Ohio that your friend Kirk knew about. Mm -hmm. I've been, you like shown me, I haven't like been like tromping around underneath them, but I, you know. I I don't think you, you appreciate the aroma. You do this every freaking time. I'm just trying to think what rookery you've seen. You ask me something about birds and I say, yeah, I've done that. And you say, no, you haven't. I'm actually really, I'm legit trying to think what rookery, because you weren't with me in Mm -hmm. Florida. Sure. Okay, I guess Vieira Wetlands. Mm. You were there, and there mm. were herons nesting there. Thank you. Thank you for validating me. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I'm explaining you. Where, this is why I really <laughs> love talking about birds with you. No, I, but... but I, that was the sewage treatment lagoon, so that was a different smell. Okay. You, you can have a heron rookery in your backyard. Tell me. No, continue with your story. I just think it would be really smelly. Sure. But if there was like, is this a problem where there's tons of them showing up? It's very rarely just one heron that shows up. It's usually several. Okay. So like how many, so how many birds do they have in there? Well, just the, the great blue heron rookery that we have at Marshall Terrace Park. Mm -hmm. I just counted the nests yesterday, 120 nests. Okay. And is this showing up in a residential area? Sometimes it happens in people's backyards. Oh, okay. So that's why the city is like, you need to do things to prevent the herons from nesting. So people are like taking out trees. So Mm. before the herons nest there, because as one person said, it was gross and nasty. It smelled. I didn't even want to go out in my backyard. And all they do is eat frogs and fish. Mm-hmm. The occasional small bird. Well, that's the important thing is that, you know, that, that, that we can drive wildlife off so someone can go out and drink their shitty American beer and barbecue. But that's that's great. That's great. I'm glad that How would you feel if we I'm had great blue herons nesting in our courtyard? I would think it would be fantastic. <laughs> I would not shut up about it. <laughs> yeah, but what if it was like right outside our window and they would the be birds my would friends come in and, and we could <laughs> smell the fish... And bird poop. You know, they would be my friends and we will solve mysteries together. That would be fantastic. I don't think you I can do that according that. to the Migratory Bird Treaty. Okay. Well, that's just the way we play against the rules. Okay, that's, you know, I get it. It's your house. You don't you don't want it to smell bad and stuff like that. But it's, it's an amazing bird spectacle. I want to live out in the woods. I don't want to have anything to do with nature. That's humanity in a nutshell. We, if you want, we don't know who owns the islands mm. on the Mississippi River. Not all sure. of them, especially the one where the herons are. I don't want to live under a heron rookery because <laughs> I don't want to be pooped on, and those birds will kill you. But I don't, I don't think they kill you, but they yeah. definitely poop on you. I don't think they'd be fans. But anyway. you see a heron try and kill you. What are they coming out with, like a little <laughs> knife? What the fuck are you talking you about? You have told me, like, you have told me many times how dangerous herons are. They are. Well, they'll take your eye out for sure. Yeah. You know what? If a bird stabs you in the eye with its beaks, chances are you're not going to walk away from that. That's not something that you see a lot of people with, oh, yeah, heron stabbed my eye out. But other than that, I was fine. <laughs> I know of two birders who yeah. have lost their eyes to birds. One lost his eye to an owl. What point are you trying to make here? I'm just arguing with you for the okay. sake of okay. All right. All right. So uh, moving on, because herons are apparently are a point of contention in this relationship. Hashtag marriage. Mm. Uh, nesting bird in the middle of downtown Honolulu is uh, halting a multi-million dollar building renovation. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Honolulu was, uh, well, this is, I mean, that's a different story, but yeah. I remember that was one of the, uh, back when I used to have to review the burning news, it was like one of the things, like Hawaii was one of those things where they had the, they started passing laws about against, you can't feed like pigeons and things like that in like the downtown areas because they were trying to get rid of them. But uh, what's, what is this particular bird? It's called a white tern. Kind of looks okay. like a fairy tern, actually. I think it is a fairy tern, but maybe it's called white tern because I, I have lost track of the names of things mm-hmm. in Hawaii. But it is a white tern. And it's, it's, it's a bird that, you know, in the wild, it would just find a branch mm-hmm. that had a flattish spot or maybe like, like where two branches are wying out and would just drop an egg there and just doesn't really build much of a nest. So that mm-hmm. is what's happened. So there's there's this deck where these white terns have nested in the past and mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, you know, we, we need to do this building project. The heron, the, the terns are going to come back and nest and the terns have come back and nested and the, the terns are protected. They're mm-hmm. considered in a, a threatened species. Okay. And everybody's like, well, we just have to stop this multi-million dollar building project mm-hmm. and we're okay with that. And what's really interesting, and this is something that, one of the problems that U.S. I would fishing... think you would have insurance for that at this point. If you're in Hawaii where you have, like, a lot of threatened and protected species that, like, you would have... That would be part of your insurance policy. Insurance for what? It's like, we're going to kill this bird anyway so we can pay the fine? Well, either that or, like, okay, we have to stop produ- production, but we have to, you know, pay all these expenses for, like, stopping it. And... Sure. Well, what's interesting is that everyone is like, yeah, this is kind of expensive, but we're going to stop it because that's the law. The fine, if they, like, remove mm-hmm. the nest, is only $1,500. Yeah. And that is kind of a thing well, with... bad PR. It is bad PR, but, I mean, it's not not as bad as the PR as United Airlines is having right now. It's not a bird story. <laughs> We're going to skip over that. Well, that's cool. I mean, I like the fact that everybody's cool. It's like, okay, all right, we can't do this. That's which fine. Makes me, which makes me think they do have insurance for this. It's like, okay, we're we have you know the bird the the birders the construction workers are going to get you know half salary or like you know we have to pay these or we're just going to work on this different project fines yeah something like that. This they, they sound remarkably chill about this. But let's say this was an energy company. It's like mm-hmm. I want to build this. We need this. oh the fines only fifteen hundred bucks. Just pay that. Yeah. Blow it up. Yeah. It's just we need to we seriously need to reevaluate our bird protection laws because because they're too strict. You think they should be killing this bird? No, 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 no. I think things can be done reasonably, but I mean, mm-hmm. I think a fine for killing something that's threatened so you can keep a building project. That mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking at like two million, okay. So the building project is eight million dollars. Mm-hmm. They remove the bird nest, and arguably, if you just remove the egg mm-hmm. before it's viable. It's no big deal. The bird would probably renest. So taking a gamble that it would renest and fifteen hundred bucks versus your eight million dollar project, you'd eat the fine if mm. you were less scrupulous. I would think. Sure, but then you also get to consider that lawsuits like birder groups saying, "Oh, they're trying to remove this." You get tied up in court and stuff. And how long is the incubation period for this? Bird? I don't know. You got to figure that like, what's it going to be? A month, two months max for a bird to fledge. It gets weird with turns. Yeah. yeah. To fledge. I mean, it's like, okay, well, let's just... Oh, it's going to be longer than a month with incubation and yeah. fledging with a turn. That's yeah. It's going to be longer than that, for yeah. sure. Robin, your incubation and fledging, you're out of there in a month. But yeah. with a turn, it's going to be longer. Yeah. Anyway. Well, good. I'm glad, I'm glad they have a nice attitude about I'm this. I'm glad they do, too. But it also reminds me that $8 million project versus... $1,500 fine. Sure. Maybe we should review what our penalties are for harming threatened and endangered species. 
Maybe it should be a $1,500 building project and an $8 million fine, says Sharon Steitler of the Birchick Podcast. What building Verbal would signature. cost only $1,500? Well, you can't even buy a garden shed Maybe that's that. why we need to hold a mirror up to society. Speaking of holding a mirror up to society. Oh, please. Now let's talk about white-throated sparrows. Okay, you do that while I get another drink. So what's going on with this uh, white-winged bird? Sing song sounds like she's singing. Who, baby, who, baby, who? You're like singing about doves, and I'm talking about <laughs> white-throated sparrows. Oh, what sorry. is wrong with you? Sorry. You should be like saying, oh, sweet Kimberly, Kimberly, Kimberly. <laughs> okay, I'm going to assume that's a bird joke. It is, uh, uh, well, especially, okay. <laughs> so everybody used to say that the white-throated sparrow either said, oh, sweet Canada, 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 or mm-hmm. oh, Sam, Peabody, Peabody, Peabody. Yeah. But uh, when Ken Kaufman married Kim Kaufman, mm-hmm. uh, he changed it to, oh, sweet Kimberly, 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 which we're coming full circle because I'm about to reference an article about white-throated sparrows written by Ken Kaufman for mm-hmm. Audubon Magazine. See? Okay, all right. So, so anyway, instead of your white-winged dove joke and heart, you should have been saying, oh, sweet Kimberly, Kimberly, Kimberly. Did you say heart? Didn't they do the white-winged dove song? Stevie Nicks. You know, I get their hair confused. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Wow. They all had big hair in oh the 80s. Oh, my God. <laughs> They all had gigantic hair and wow. big flowy dresses. People wonder why we don't do this podcast more. <laughs> <sighs> Can we talk about the actual bird, please? <laughs> Bill Thompson has just picked his computer up and thrown it across the room. And you're assuming Bill Thompson Smash. listens to this podcast. Speaking of which... <laughs> Bill Thompson has picked up his uh, radio crystal set that he's been tuning in to the, listen to this podcast. No, no. Speaking of which, Bill Thompson has a lovely podcast out there mm. with the birds with Ben Listis that you mm-hmm. should listen to. I did um, listen to it. You were playing it earlier tonight. Well, I was I making a fungo. Yes. Um, it's a good podcast. Yeah. So, okay. So back to white-throated sparrows. They have a complex history. So in case you haven't noticed... Sometimes And I have not. Let's be clear about that. I pointed out white-throated sparrows to you. Sure. They have different color morphs like screech owls. Okay. Some have a distinct black and white striping. Okay. Some have striping, but it is more tan. It is not the crisp black and white. Okay. So you've not noticed this? I'm just asking you personally. I'm not entirely sure about what you're, even bird you're talking about, so let's just move this on. This bird! You've seen this bird. This bird right here. Oh, Okay. So Wow, and what stark variations they are that you've just shown me. That particular illustration on my computer is not a good representation of how different <laughs> they can look. Thanks because, for sharing. And I'm not going to say who did those illustrations. Oh, but God. Are you going to make me open the Sibley up? No, so, I'm not. Get to the story. Okay, okay. So there are variations in this bird. Okay. Oh, God. Within each gender, the more distinct white-striped sparrows... Mm-hmm. are more aggressive, while the tannish ones are more nurturing. Okay. This is based on research. You can I read this article. You. It says it's based on vast amounts of research for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they studied the behavior. 
uh, white-throated sparrows nest in coniferous and mixed forests of Canada and northeastern states. Mm -hmm. But within its habitat, white-striped males tend to be in slightly more open areas, while the tan-striped males are in denser forest. Oh, okay. They defend their territories mainly by singing. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like West Side Story out there. So their aggressiveness is in their singing. Yes. So we're not, so again, what we're talking about is, uh, wait, okay, so I understand what aggressiveness is, like they sing their song more often and like try to drive, like what is a nurturing, how do they nurture Okay, so we're going to get to that, we're going to get to that. Right. Okay, so so you may, so so look in your field guides. Um, white striped males sing far more often than the tan striped males. Sure. White striped females also sing fairly often, but the tan striped females rarely sing. Okay. So, oh, and they all sing variations, but the songs of the tan striped birds average slightly lower pitched than the brighter striped ones. Okay. White throats will actively chase away intruders in their territory. The white striped males are much more aggressive than the tan males in the chases. The white striped females will also take part in the chasing, but the tan striped females don't do much to defend the territory. So so you see, so like the white striped males are singing more, they're chasing more, the females are getting in on this, the the tan striped oh, males are not singing as much, the tan striped females are doing no chasing whatsoever. Someone's are you with me? This. Okay, it gets worse. Okay. Only females build the nest and incubate the eggs. The flagon with the dragon holds the blue that is true. <laughs> okay, just okay. Both parents will bring the food. Uh-huh. However, on average, the females bring more food than the males. But within each sex, God. the tan-striped birds bring more food than the white-striped birds. Okay. Here's my question. Why did you tell me this? I get it. So this is where it gets interesting. So help me God, it better get interesting. <laughs> in studies, in laboratories, with captive white-throated sparrows... They found that females of either morph, so either the bright females or the tan females, they preferred the tan males. White-striped females were more pushy, and they would grab the tan-striped bachelors quicker than the tan females, so they would end up with the more aggressive. So when you have the pairs happening, you're usually going to have a white-stripe and a tan-stripe together. Mm-hmm. But the sexes are going to mix up. And it's all part of this complex thing of who's aggressive and who isn't. So the the really bold white striped females are snatching up those nurturing nice, the nice guys, the tan stripes, the nurturing guys who are going to bring more food. Sure. So basically birds are in the 70s is what you're telling me. Oh, I would I would put this at mid sixties at best. Okay. So yeah, I would say this is second wave feminism, if anything. Certainly not third <laughs> wave. It's, anyway, okay. it's just... Anyway, those brown birds and their variations within brown. There's sure. you're looking at me like I'm nuts. No, I I believe that you are actually reading this cuz I can't see your computer screen right now. So I believe that this is not some screensaver of toasters chasing pieces of toast. No, no, that. this is Ken Kaufman writing it's, for Audubon okay, magazine. That's, okay, yeah. So it's got to be true. That's mildly interesting cuz I've heard these things before about like how um the genes that determine color are like tied to um behavior. I remember somebody was telling me a story about, like, they, they were trying to breed, um, I can't remember if it was foxes or minks. Like, the furriers were trying to breed this very common 
I think this is fox. Breed of fox to have the white fur, which was very rare but very valuable. And they found that if they took a domestic animal and bred it to the point where it had the white fur, it basically became feral. It was like something about the domesticity was tied to the color variation. So that is very interesting. Well, and I think I read that too. Like they were trying to do that with foxes and the nicer they made the foxes, the darker they got. Yes, that was it. They took the... uh, uh, they took the, the, the white ones and were trying to make them domestic. That's I got it reversed in my head. They mm-hmm. were trying to domesticate them. And basically, whatever made them white also made them aggressive and feral and things like that. All right. Uh, so we're going to wrap this up. Uh, two more stories. Number one, if you're in California and that super bloom is still going on, you should check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Bloom, author of Bird Books. No, it's... No, it's the super bloom. The super bloom? The super there's been some rain. Okay. A bunch of wildflowers came out. It's spectacular. Oh, okay. I see what you know, you're yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's like this insane wildflower thing that's happened in the desert. Um, but with the wildflowers have come white line sphinx moths. Ah. Now, there you want to talk about an even crazier relationship than the white throated sparrows. Sure. So the white I think I've made it clear that I do want to talk about crazier. The white line sphinx moths caterpillars are eating the flowers that's the thing that they Uh do you know it's like monarchs i'm gonna chew the shit out of this Mm -hmm. to live and kill it but at the same time after they pupate and become the sphinx moth they pollinate the remaining flowers and so it's Mm -hmm. this kind of whole circle of life circle of life whole kind of like parasitic damaged relationship between Mm -hmm. flower and moth meanwhile swainson's hawks are migrating back north they're just like yeah moths i'm gonna eat that so there's some really great you should really check out the video of the Swainson Socks of the Super Blooms. So, you know, you're just getting... You can go out there and you can just see dozens of Swainson Socks feeding on these white line sphinx moths. It's amazing. Cool. All right, what other stories do we have? Final story. Thank God. Uh, it's nest watch season. Okay. It's this thing Cornell would like you to do to document nests in the backyard. And mm-hmm. you can do this a couple of different ways. You can always do it via eBird. So, like, if you have a nesting Canada goose in your patch and you want to talk about it, or let's say, oh, hey, chipping sparrows are nesting in our apartment building. Let's mm-hmm. document that. Uh, you can check on it a few times. You can note whether they're building the nest, whether someone's incubating. Um, if it's an easy way to see how many eggs are there, you can do mm-hmm. that. Um, if you don't have eBird and you don't want to use that, there is a NestWatch app that you can download. And from what I understand, it is both Android and iPhone compatible. Okay. So we have linked to a story in the Washington Post that tells you all about NestWatch and also has a link to uh, the NestWatch app. And, you know, it, you may think that it's just a regular garden variety bird nesting in your backyard, but mm. this, is, this, is, this is the new way we're going to do breeding bird atlases. So, All right. anyway, check it out. Document them nests. All right, this is Bird Chick Podcast number 221. If you have any questions for Sharon, you can talk to her online. She is at Bird Chick on Twitter. You can email her, Sharon at birdchick.com. And as always, when I'm doing these wrap-ups, she had something. That but she... you cannot do it after April 19th because I'll be in Cuba. Great. And if you email me while I'm in the middle of that, my chances of replying back to you are slim. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.